Welcome to the historic Ocean House, a luxurious hotel that pays homage to New England's golden age of hospitality. With timeless elegance and renewed civility, this treasured resort is the setting for our special broadcast of the Ocean House Author Series. Each program features nationally best-selling and award-winning authors in a salon-style conversation, hosted by Ocean House owner, actress, and best-selling author, Deborah Goodrich-Royce. You'll hear fascinating conversations with exceptional authors like Chloe Milos, Avery Carpenter, Patty Callahan-Henry, Victoria Christopher-Murray, Kitty Couric, and more. WCRI is pleased to partner with the Ocean House to present this ongoing series, which brings you the best and the brightest of the literary world. Now, let's take you to the Ocean House. Hello, I'm happy to be here today at the WCRI Studios, part of the Ocean House Author Series with my friend Deborah Goodrich-Royce. We're chatting about her brand new, well, not brand new anymore, Deborah. I feel like I always say brand new novel because that's when I usually speak to authors about their books. And Deborah and I have had the pleasure of talking about all three of her books, uh, Finding Mrs. Ford, Ruby Falls, and Reef Road. And Deborah, there's so much to say about you. I wouldn't know where to start. (laughs) Well, thank you, Robin. Uh, You are a legend here in Rhode Island and beyond. I heard of you uh, across the corners of this country before I even I didn't know you. that. Absolutely. Yeah, you're very well known, Robin Well, Connell. that I knew, but I didn't know yeah. you had heard. Yes, I had. <laughs> so it's, oh, for me, it's really a treat to talk with you. This uh, author series in our little corner of Rhode Island uh, is, is such a, a joy for me. And every year or every other year, you and I talk about yes. one of my books, which is very special. It's Thank so you. kind of you to keep writing them so we can keep talking <laughs> about them and looking forward to, I know Reef Road is coming out in paperback in January. In January, yes. So I'm already chatting with Kathy about an event, a paperback event. Good, so, good. yeah. So we and just it has keep the, the fun same going. beautiful cover, but it has a sticker on it that says national bestseller. That when, is very cool. Yeah, when you get that, you want to... You put it everywhere. Do you put the stickers everywhere? Like on wherever you go? Right yeah, now. absolutely. <laughs> it's National bestseller. to me. That's a cool idea, actually. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Do they, they put the stickers on at the publisher? So, yeah. So when you, when you do a paperback, um, as you've seen with some authors' books, they change the cover. Right. Who knows why? Uh, my publisher is stuck with the same cover, but... I said, well, what about that sticker? And they said, absolutely. <laughs> what about that sticker? So we looked at a million versions. It's oh. not really a sticker. Right. It's, it's part like of the a, cover. Yeah. But it looks, it's kind of gold and it has the edge like a sticker. And it looks a little, That's, I guess, iridescent. Congratulations. Thank I mean, you. this book has been, so many people are talking about it. We had the pleasure of an event last week, too. And everybody's been reading it. I should have, I, I could still invite people to do like a book club because you're not busy enough. But everybody was so excited about it and and talking about true crime and the story behind this book. Um, But back to the sticker, that is very, really special. And congratulations. And they do stand out because people will know this cover. You can't, you know, it's black with the shocking color and, and the... Poisonous plant? Is that, no, no, it's, it's, not it's poison? a bird of paradise. It's oh, not okay. a poisonous Let's, plant, but it's a very like, sharp evil. looking plant. Right. It's spiky is it the word I would out. use. And yes. then there's a spider in the middle of one of the petals. And when you 
design a book cover, and I looked at multiple versions with the spider in it, you have to be very careful because you don't want the spider to be too disgusting. No, it's you, a very happy-looking yeah, spider. It's kind it's of pleasant. A, it's like a silhouette of a spider. Mm. So yeah. the arachnophobes will not decide <laughs> that they cannot pick up this book. Well, I don't think people all realize, and people who are, are in the writer's world and, and people who are you know book-focused understand and really discuss the covers because, of course, there's always the joke about judging a book, which we do, and so much so much goes into that. And also everything that you do, so much care and detail right. goes into it's so important. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at other books, what are some of the things your eye goes to? That's a great question. I tend to like, you know, graphically simple covers. Uh, I tend to like beautiful covers. Mm-hmm. There are covers that are very hard-edged. I think they're masculine versus feminine mm-hmm. covers. So this bird of paradise on my cover is off to the side, and these spiky petals are looming into the words, both my name and the title, Reef Road. And we looked at versions with the flower in the middle, and mm-hmm. there's a weird thing that happens when the flower is in the middle. It looks just pretty, like oh, like because well, it is pretty piece of literary fiction when sure. it's off to the side and kind of leaning that way. There's something more ominous it about looks it. Menacing. That's right. It? Yeah, it does. And I mean, then so that's also intentional. Mm-hmm. So you don't get a cover and go, yeah, that's fine. No, you look at <laughs> multiple versions. Of course, another version because the title is Reef Road, which is the name of a real street. Yeah, and because the book is dark and has a noir esque mm-hmm. element. We did look at versions like Sunset Boulevard, the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And if you remember the beginning of Sunset Boulevard, you see what they have in Los Angeles. They have the, uh, the street painted on the curb. Mm-hmm. And that's the version they show. They don't show oh. the elevated street sign. Mm-hmm. They, they show Sunset Boulevard right. on the curb. And the curb is dingy and yeah. dirty and chipped. And, uh, you know, I think debris is blowing past. So we tried a few versions of that. Interesting. But it looked, it didn't look right. It's interesting because you have something in your mind and you want to represent that so that that's what people, that that's the essence people get. So when people say to you like they totally get that or that it goes with a book, it must feel very gratifying. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. we we nailed it. And it is so important because we go to the bookstores and the libraries and we look at people's shelves. I especially enjoy that on like the Instagram lives, looking at everyone's shelves behind them. And you you can pick out like from the smallest bit, if you know right. the book, you're like, oh, it's that's one of the games I play, especially when we're abroad and I'm looking at other versions of books. And it's you can sometimes just tell. So we'll all be looking for the gold sticker on the book, which right. will have the same cover um, in January. And people should follow you on Instagram at Deborah Goodrich Royce and on Facebook, go to your website, sign up for the newsletter. I was like to put a little yeah, reminder no, it's, in that. It is actually really important because I think we're in this world now where authors are doing so much on their own. So much. To connect with readers and uh, so much is expected that for me, Instagram is my favorite way mm-hmm. of communicating with people. I, I find it easier than Facebook. I do use okay. Facebook. Well, you can go to Facebook, I but find Deborah Twitter. on Instagram. Uh, I use those yeah. three. TikTok is another world. I know. I know. I was just chatting outside with one of the gentlemen, and I, 
I, I've resisted each, not really resisted. I would say I haven't embraced, I haven't um, fought back, but it's not been with enthusiasm when it's been presented to me back with Facebook and Twitter and all those things. And I sort of get to the point where I know that my daughter is always right about these things. So I should probably jump in sooner. And maybe two or three years ago, she said, don't, don't with TikTok, you're fine. And then like, more recently, she's like, you know, and I'm like, oh, you said I didn't oh, you have need to. to. Yeah. But you have to be consistent and also enjoy the platform or it's not going to be effective. And yeah. I just don't feel it's, like it's. It seems to be cute little catchy songs. I know. And There's a lot of, of dances. And, and I know. Yeah. Some people just have gravitated toward it. And, and you know, there's so many books. I ran into a woman at Target and she was looking for a book. I help people if I see them in distress searching for a title. Mm-hmm. She was looking for her book club. And she said, oh, these are all the TikTok books. And I was like, right. I. They have separate tables. They I have know. separate shelves. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a lot of the key to the stratospheric success of Colleen Hoover. 100%. There was a certain moment she'd been writing for a while. I she'd know, been published cr- for yeah. a while. And then she became this TikTok yes. sensation. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Emily Henry, too. I mean, she was big with her YA and then the Beach Reads came out. And also she's an amazing book talker. Um, I think, yeah, Colleen, I remember when my nieces started asking for her books, I was like, I know it's familiar. I could picture the font, but I wasn't reading them. I didn't know them that well. And then. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. So Reef Road. Yes. um, You know. Is there anything you have not been asked about this book that came out in January that you're like, nobody ever asks me about? That's a great question. I mean, so some of the things I do like to talk about is um, the setting. Let's talk about the Florida setting. And the, the cover evokes Florida. Reef Road is the name of a street in Palm Beach. I wrote it in Florida. Yeah. And I wanted to evoke... And I've said this before, there's a quotation that a lot of people attribute to Carl Hyacin as having said about Florida, but I think it was actually Somerset Mom who said it about the French Riviera in the 1920s, and he described it as a sunny place for shady people. Yes, and that, there, are, there are. Yeah. I mean, we, and same I, could be said about some other places. And I, well, and I think that's why Carl Hyacin writes all his books set in Florida. Yeah. He does evoke that seedy underbelly. And I, I think it's a thing that people enjoy. I was on a soap opera for a while. All yes, my children. I remember, Deborah. That was the, my first introduction to you. And I was like, don't even, Silver Cane. But yeah. I know. I mean, that was, I grew up. I watched that show very early on. I, I think, I'm not sure if I told you that we would cut not cut. We would be in school and we would take our lunch at someone's home that was nearby because all my children was on at one o'clock. That's right. In ABC, Channel yeah. 7, back in the day. And we would somehow figure out because you had to know. Well, and I think the appeal of the soap opera is similar to what I'm talking about sure. here. We like to see shiny lives that have you know, that seedy underbelly, something going on. I think it's why we are obsessed with the royal family in England, because we look at them and we think, oh, even with all that, they have the same problems that we have at the Thanksgiving table. (laughs) (laughs) They're not celebrating Thanksgiving, but they have the same family dynamics going on. Oh, yeah. You'd think that there'd be nothing to be fighting about, but of course, or unhappy about. People are people. People fight. You know, we have... Not everybody gets to be the king. 
not, well, and that's therein lies the problem. Right. And we have the same, you know, range of emotions. We have sure. the same toolkit, if you will, of emotions, and that's what we're operating from. We'll take a short break and be back with the Ocean House Author Series here on WCRI. And we're back with the Ocean House Author Series on WCRI. So Reef Road really is steeped in this Florida of the year 2020, when we were all in pandemic lockdown, which was surreal to begin with. And the thriller plays out there in the middle of all that when people's movements are so constrained. Such a smart way to do it. And also, as we've talked about, really writing as the pandemic was going on. And so going back and reading it, because sometimes I actually stop myself and say, we we did that. We were living like that. We didn't see people like it's and it wasn't long ago you know that's the long and it's hard to imagine and obviously we're seeing the effects of it now when you and I did our event in Boston last week uh I stayed in a hotel that was three blocks from where we met right and the ladies at the event said oh we'll drive you back to the hotel yeah and it wasn't because it was such a dangerous neighborhood it was because it was isolated yeah because yeah, they Young were very. They didn't gone want, back to work yet. Right, they didn't want to tell. Me. They said, yeah. "I said, well, you could just invite Deborah." Now you you tell her. I'm like, okay, I'll tell Deborah that we wanted her to be safe. It was so yeah. thoughtful. It was um, very but thoughtful. It, but it is it is that ice like the idea yeah. of like what can happen if nobody's around or you know um, or there was liability. No, there was care. Hence, it was deep care. But and that's exactly what's going on right? on the island Who's of watching? Palm Beach in Reef Road. Nobody's around. You have these two women. Yeah. You have a writer who's rather obsessive, and her life is isolated to begin with. Um, she's usually home writing, and she's obsessed with the murder of her mother's best friend. And then you have a younger woman whose husband and children disappear on a plane to Buenos Aires. They're tracked by the cops, and she can't follow wow. because of yeah. the lockdown. And so you just start to tick-tock back and forth and see what's, what connects them. Which is the thing about storylines that's always so fascinating, back to the soap opera analogy, where there would be different, you know, storylines happening. Some, they would connect, cross over. And similarly to watching a soap opera, where you're like very interested in one scene or very interested in you, like, oh, when is this person coming back? When you're reading a book and you're toggling between the timelines with the storylines, you think you can get invested in one or the other. And in, in Reef Road, which is the sign of a book that I love, I'm happy wherever I am. You know, whoever's story. Oh, I like, I like know, hearing it that way. It was a long way around. I loved when Silver Kane was on the screen as well. but you know what I mean like you're not like she was great great character but it's you're not like oh let's get back to this part because you're where the characters are in the story right you're not in the boring bits yes there are no boring bits I know what you mean yeah that's Uh, that's what I'm trying to say and I think in thriller everything Mm. you have theme and you have you know the atmosphere and you have the setting but above all, you have to have a plot that works. Thriller is very plot dependent, yeah. and it has to tie together. And even if you can't solve it, which you probably won't, when you get to the moment of this big reveal or twist, yep. it has to. You have to be able to go back and see the breadcrumb trail, mm. uh, 
or or it'll be disappointing. And that's also the fun because the way I read a book, and I do read a handheld, you know, I do have a physical book in my hand. I sort of do go back because I have this weird sense of like what page something was on or a clue or what part of the page. And I'll be like, I do go back and I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, but I don't read it trying to figure it out. But I do like going back a little and in my mind and thinking, aha, that could have been. Right. It's so smart and it's so hard to do. And you're telling the reader to look here, but don't look here, but go there. And I'm here. Right. You know, it's and, and also when you're first sharing your first drafts with people, is that something you're looking for to see if they Well, yeah, I'm at a point of uh, just getting ready to show a first draft of the book I'm working on now. Mm. And I feel like at this point, I've thrown spaghetti at the wall. (laughs) And there's probably way too much spaghetti, too many threads Mm -hmm. and defining character traits and meaningful aspects. And how much do you how much do you tighten it? I like a complex book, mm-hmm. uh, but how complex really can it be? You know, these are all the questions. Uh, we'll see what the editor Which, says. Yeah, it's interesting because there are elements to a book that you're working on that you you love maybe in and of themselves. It works with the story. It could be too much. I don't know because I'm just right. speaking. You know, Actually, I am speaking about a book that I read that's coming out this spring, which I really wanted to like, and I did like it. But I felt, and it was a thriller, but I felt like there was too much that didn't, I was like, eh, I don't get all this. And I, I'm, right. I was, it's unfortunate for me <laughs> because I really wanted yes. to love it. And um, it does happen. Yeah. And I, I feel like if it had been given to me at some point and somebody wanted honest feedback, I would have said, oh, you know what? I was getting lost there because I read it so carefully. But I think there was too, there's too much spaghetti. Right. To your point. Right. Uh, yeah, and you're like, what book is she talking? No, about? no, I don't want to know. I, <laughs> well, I wouldn't I don't, say. I don't want to know. But air. well, with Reef wrote, I mean, there are two storylines: the storyline of the writer and the storyline right. of the wife, and they do eventually come together. It appears at the beginning that they are not connected, mm. and so people always ask me, "What is the order in which you write the book? Do you write the two different storylines mm-hmm. separately, or do you write it as the reader reads it? And I write it as the reader reads it. Right. I have copious notes on each of the characters and each of the timelines and each of the um, plots. But then when I'm writing the book, I write it as you read it because it has to tie together. There's right. this weird digression that the writer goes on about the vomiting of sharks, <laughs> which is, uh, I found it so interesting. <laughs> Who came up with that, that I wonder? I, it, I, it's there on the internet. So yeah, some vomiting of sharks. So one of the characteristics of the writer is she's an obsessive researcher. So mm-hmm. she's always going down, you know, Google Lane. And she finds this, but it really does. It is pertinent mm-hmm. to the plot because the the book begins with a severed hand found on the beach, Reef Road Beach. It's a famous yeah. surf beach in Palm Beach. And the severed hand watches, washes up and two surfer kids find it. And you have no idea what it has to do with the story. And as you're coming to a bit of a crescendo, the writer goes off on this tangent about the vomiting of sharks, <sighs> which ties back to that and ties into where it's going, the revelation of what that's really all about so clever and fun and diabolical all at the same time (laughs) (laughs) because i think thrillers can be and should be funny too Uh, uh, 
They are. I mean, they absolutely, they're, and I think we talked a little bit about the humor on the page in one of our conversations because you, the reader is in on the story in right. that way. And mm-hmm. so, and you need some relief from that. Well, I think in, in film, Hitchcock was a master of that. Did you see the new book, Hitchcock's Blondes? That just, it's no. coming out. I should have brought it for you. Oh. I'll oh. send it to you. The, the finished copy just, I think it's called Hitchcock's Blondes, but I just, Oh, he was shameless with the blonde brunette thing. I mean, the classic was The Birds, yeah. where he's got Tippi Hedren yeah. and Suzanne Plachette. And Suzanne Plachette. Remember how gorgeous she was? Oh, so But gorgeous. The, one's the blonde and one's sure. the brunette. And yeah. it's just so weird, this Serena and, and Samantha. Jeannie, yeah. and, Jeannie and Jeannie. You know the, the dark-haired Jeannie's name was also Jeannie. Did you know that? No. It came up at a family dinner once. Really? Yeah, Barbara I didn't Eden know was that. Jeannie, and they said what was her... It was her sister, right? Because it was Samantha's cousin. And she popped up out of the bottle. Every but once she in a while. was, yeah. But she was also Jeannie. Well, they say the thing with blonde hair is the digression of Robin. Well, <laughs> but I love digressions. My favorite thing. That's it, that's I think it. it evokes childhood. It evokes. Mm. It's like large eyes and pale hair make us think of children yeah. and vulnerability. Sure. I mean, I think that was well. Betty and Veronica. Yeah. Yeah. And Marilyn Monroe is is really the absolute poster child of that complete vulnerability. Yeah. Well, and I think well, that's yeah. why Joyce Carol Oates called the book Blonde, yeah, because it's so allegorical. Mm. Have you? It's seven hundred pages. I have it at home. I have not read it. I did after the the was it a movie or a miniseries, whatever it was, came out. I oh, read yeah. the book, and um, it's very worth reading. Yeah. And it is about more than Marilyn Monroe. Sure. It really is about yeah, that. But oh no, it's a really it's a it's a stunning book from what I've heard, and I didn't give it away, which means there's hope for it. In it my has house. one of the most shockingly um, powerful beginnings. Uh, it begins in Los Angeles, and again, you, it's an allegory with death riding down the street on a bicycle, delivering mm. something. Wow. And uh, goes to the house of Marilyn Monroe, and it is the moment of her death. Mm. And then you go back and tell the story. Wow. That is powerful. Mm-hmm. All right, maybe I'll move it up. I can't, though. There's too many books. No, it's you know, so that's long. A, 700 and, pages. Well, and it's not even, I mean, the length doesn't scare me, but what happens with books is that, and I've had this conversation, Emily always pops into my, she just does, she's such a part of what I do, if I don't get to a book in a certain amount of time, and you know the new ones keep coming, yeah. the events happen, the festivals happen, it's all good, as they say, but the absolute, you know, the the downtime to go back to a book that is certainly relevant, but it would be like, I mean, this all started for fun for me and hobby and all of that. So the the whole irony of like, well, I really wish I could read such and such a book, but I don't have time or, you know, like, which one do you pick? Well, let's talk about reading for a living. I mean, that's a really interesting thing, because when I was at Miramax, you know, I went from being an actress in film and television to being a story editor at Miramax, which is like a book editor. Reading for a living is very different from reading for pleasure. The the volume is turned up. And I read. I'm not a speed reader. I read for content. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm absolutely, which is why the book that I was talking about before I read so, I read books pretty closely. because. It's the same way I watch a sh- if I'm if something's on a movie a TV show and I'm not paying attention, it would have to be something I've seen a million times, like Mary right. Tyler Moore or something, right? Which I love, but it's if I want to pay attention, I want to catch the details or why bother? 
So I read the same way. Yeah, I do too. And I'm going to give a plug for the United Theater in Westerly right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Because I went there on Sunday and saw the new Kenneth Branagh, uh, A Haunting in Venice, Ooh. which is based on an Agatha Christie, one of her later books written in the late 50s called Halloween. Um, it's described as one of her lesser books. So Isn't what that a nice way to be described? I, I know. What, one of her lesser books. But seeing a movie like that on a big screen, yeah, something like you that. see what the director wants you to see. Right. Your eye can travel. And because it's set in Venice, it is so visually gorgeous. Mm. But you can see the pigeon off on that corner of the rooftop. And you can see in, in one scene, you know, the telephone's over here and what's going on. And there's a point where somebody slips in a panel. Mm. Uh, slips behind a panel of a wall, uh, which you would not see if you were texting at oh, home no, with it on no. your television. No, and then you ask people, like, what happened? Where did yeah. they go? And everyone's like, you miss t- so much. You do. Is that how you watch if you want to watch something or if you've seen it? Like there's a comfort setting of a movie or a TV show. You know, if Legally Blonde's on, I'm going to watch it because I can't miss it. And I know the thing by heart, but... You know, still like, oh, wait, you rewind. I don't know. Right. There's something I, the way the brain works. Yeah, for me, it would be something like Young Frankenstein, yeah, oh, which okay. is one of my favorite movies of yeah, all time. Yeah, I don't know. Legally Blonde just popped into yeah, my head. Yeah. Probably the blonde thing. And I love the movie. So it, It's hilarious. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, there are different ways of watching. I mean, but a the movie focus. you haven't seen before. Oh, absolutely. Seeing that on a big screen is a completely different experience. It is. And that's why, as you're saying, with that movie at the United Theater, um, is that what it's? I'm sorry. The United Theater the United in Westerly. So how long is it there for? I don't know. Uh, I saw it Sunday, so it might be there for a little while. Mm-hmm. I, you know, movies change irregularly depending they on do. ticket sales. Yeah, and ticket sales because we go to uh, the Avon on, on Thayer Street. And mm-hmm. there is nothing like seeing a movie or at the, any of the theaters when they bring back some of the older ones. The Odeum does that from time yeah. to time. It is a different experience. It's and an also, immersion experience. Right, and also watching with other people. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting to me when not everybody's laughing at the same time. That's something I like to pay attention to, or when only some people are laughing at a line and right. we're like, or my family, for example. I'm like, what is wrong but, with us? But, you know, speaking of laughing, that is one of the things you get in a movie theater, yeah. which changes the experience of comedy, that yes. group laughter Absolutely. is very infectious. Or lack of, (laughs) (laughs) lack of laughter. But I think with books, that immersion is important. Like uh, if I'm reading a book that's already out on audiobook, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm reading Megan Collins' new book, Uh, Thicker uh, Than Water. Water. So good. And I have to finish it a little faster. I will read a book in bed at night Mm -hmm. and listen to audio in my car. So you catch up to where you are? Exactly. It, right? Well, and I, I can't do audio in bed at night because I'll wake up five hours later yeah. having missed the entire book. <laughs> right. But it's lulling. It could uh, be to- lulling. Oh, yeah. No, I can't. I that's can't do funny. that. So I, the, the whole audio book <laughs> things, and then there are people like, well, that's not exactly reading. I know. But people it are, is. If you're taking in the story, I've had this discussion with, people have asked me this very important question as a book person, uh, uh, you know, and I, I'm like, just enjoy the story. It's, you're soaking up the story. I maybe wouldn't say I was – I just haven't listened to audio. My experience has been a few times going to New York. I've tried in the car, and I know you can speed it up, but I read 
it's a different piece. Yeah, and, yeah. Me, I, and I, the speeding up is a little odd because yeah. the voice sounds yeah, a like, little funny. Right. And, uh, but I think we are storytellers. Yeah, you're and listening I, to a story. Yeah. We're telling and, you a story right now. Is everybody enjoying? Everyone's mm-hmm. enjoying our storytelling. That's, that's the thing. If you like to listen to it, uh, you know, or if you're reading it on a Kindle, if you're whole, I, I know what my preference is, but I just think like taking the stories, share them with friends, tell people. You know, because there's something that stands out and you like you have to talk about it with somebody because you can't believe. Um, I'm going to be interested to hear what you think of the um, the end of Thicker Than Water. Oh, good. I really enjoyed that book. I like her personally very much, too. too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She was fun. She's very funny. We did the event over the summer and she's got a great delivery. She does. Yeah. She's dry. Yeah. And her family (laughs) plot. uh, Yeah. The book before this deals with true crime in the way Mm -hmm. that Reef Road does. We'll take a short break and be back with the Ocean House Author Series here on WCRI. And we're back with the Ocean House Author Series on WCRI. To go back to Reef Road, one of the things you asked, like what I like to be asked, Mm -hmm. One of the main points of the book is an exploration of the concept of generational trauma. Right. That was, yeah. Are we affected by the things that happened to our parents, our grandparents, family members who came before? And how are we affected by it? And what can we do about it? I mean, this is very tied into a thriller plot. Right. But there is that theme. Each of the main characters has very strange goings-on in their family background, including the uh, the husband, who's from Argentina. Right. So that brings in that whole dirty war period uh, uh, not so long ago in Argentina. But that's something I'm very interested in, because my real mother's best friend was murdered, and right. this was one of the stories that I grew up with, uh, and that's why I wrote the book. It's based on that real murder. And I think... So I know someone who's very nervous about, I'm digressing, but there's a point. No. I know this person who's very nervous about um, getting sick, about hygiene. And this person has a sibling who got cancer at a very young age, as a teenager. And I think when that happens to you, it changes the range of what you think is possible in this life. Yeah. I mean, we generally begin as children, we're pretty innocent, and we think everything is going to go pretty well. And then you go through one kind of experience right. or another, and it completely changes what you think can happen. So for my mother, having a murdered friend at age 12, it just tipped life on its axis for sure. her. And she became um, someone, I think, very... Uh, we have a term for it now, stranger danger. She became very aware of stranger danger, this idea that terrible things can happen to you randomly out of nowhere, which generally we don't think about. And so I think it had that effect on me. Absolutely. When you think about a 12-year-old, and and to go back to what you were saying about as we, you know, everyone has a different experience, but if you're lucky, you can get pretty far down the chain without going, wait, what happens? It's a bizarre thing to find out about life as you go along. And so some people, it's younger or, you know, and I actually, there's a family that we're very close with where there was a lot of tragedy 
bizarrely, so much tragedy when their children were little. And those kids grew up so differently in a way of like, it was just too much. It breaks you in a certain way. There's something in you that breaks and... And there's fear then and worry and like you say, the stranger danger and... Brokenness can heal. I I mean, I think that's one of the questions I examine in this book. Whatever kind of brokenness you have, you're not doomed to to live as a broken bird the rest of your life. But I think it it does require consciousness. It requires some sort of spiritual life or some sort of psychological work. Something. Right. Or or it gets sort of buried with other distractions and unhealthy kind of things. And we we see that too. Or and or repeat it. Mm -hmm. Right. And down the line. And so yeah, that was something that I was really fascinated by. And we've we've talked about that and we see it and you've cited studies and you talked about um, you know, tracking Holocaust. Survivors Which, that is, was a really important study. The first studies were in Canada in the 1960s, and they noticed higher depressions, of, uh, mm-hmm. higher incidences, excuse me, of depression and anxiety in children of Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. And so they were looking at it at a certain level, saying, well, why is this so? They didn't go through that. But right. it's, again, it changes what you think is possible. Absolutely. The depression, you know, yes. the, the uh, you know, the the generation that went through that, how they sort of... Oh, they would buy rec- day-old bread or, yes. you know, they'd save their pennies. It, yeah, and it goes down, and so that does exactly. get passed along, and and some of those things are super handy right now in this world yeah, that we if, live in. If we had those habits. I mean, that's the thing, you know, so you think about down the generations, and, um, and it's always so important, like storytelling is like what came before and why and, and how we connect these, like a thread of a story. Um, I was also, I wanted, you were saying back to Reef Road, and I was thinking about actually Reef Road, like, so are people taking pictures there? Like, what's sort of happening with that crowd? And how was, what was that reception like in Palm Beach? Yeah, so I did, I, didn't get to ask I heard uh, through a friend uh, that she, she was friends with somebody who lived on Reef Road, mm-hmm. and they contacted me about uh, me coming up to do a book club event on Reef Road, yeah, which think, yeah. it ended up not working out. I had to leave Florida, but it, I mean. Paperback. It, paperback. So I picked the name of Reef Road because I think it is really a deliciously ominous name. Oh, yeah. You know, because I was riding around Palm Beach on my bicycle during the COVID <laughs> lockdown thinking, well, what street could this young wife live on? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to... So you I did like, a little real estate tour. I did. Yeah. And I like riding real places because I think People everybody gets that. a little frisson of excitement Absolutely. when they're like, oh my gosh, I've been yes. on that street in Paris. Yes. I know where that mm-hmm. is. And so most of the street names in Palm Beach are uplifting, like, you know, hibiscus or banyan <laughs> or dolphin. It's just very sweet, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> And there's nothing necessarily dark about Reef Road as a name. But sounds it now, though. Like well, that's Coral right. Reef implies to me running aground. It implies right. danger. You sure. know, you are you could bang up against something right. and things could go very badly it wrong could be for a you. Hand that's or be a reef. A human hand. <laughs> so I I picked the name and as I was writing, I said something to my son in law's brother, who's a major surfer. And I said, oh, it's called Reef Road. He said, oh, you mean like the surf beach? <laughs> and I said, really? Yeah. I didn't know. That's great. You got the right person. evolved into a whole other aspect of the storyline. That's so, it's so interesting 
who you tell what to and when and what else they're experiencing and the and the response you wind up with. Yeah, it's like a crazy triangulation. I um, love that. Yeah, I like, do too. What if I hadn't asked that person this then? Yes. It's exhausting mm-hmm. sometimes, um, but it's exhilarating. And, and, the, and it just, the energy, you know, with the creative process, that energy goes somewhere, you know, into the story. And um, and it's Reef Road, and it is out and about, and find Deborah on Instagram for the most part, right? That's mm-hmm. mostly. And what's coming up at the Ocean House? I, I don't know when this. So we do have dates. some events this fall. We have a October. thriller panel October 1st. Yes. Uh, Megan Collins, oh, right. Vanessa She's Lilly, Wendy Walker, a few other writers will be there for that. That'll be wonderful. We, October 1st. We have. On November, I, I didn't think mean to put the calendar second, on the spot. Go to November second, Julie Gerstenblatt yes. with yes. the daughters of Nantucket. And November eighth, we have Dr. Renee Alsharoff. I've probably mispronounced her name. She's a veterinarian, oh. and she's written a book about our doggies. Oh, what's it about? Or um, is it? Fiction? I haven't read it yet. That's no, okay. it's um, nonfiction. And then on December sixth, oh, we have a launch party for Luann Rice because she has I written. Saw that. Uh, a murder me. mystery in the Ocean House. It's like Murder on the Orient Express, oh, wow. but in the hotel. Oh, I didn't know Robin, that. Come, oh my come. god, when is that? December December sixth. That's a Wednesday. Okay, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. I, you know, when as you were saying the dates, I'm watching the leaves change. I'm like feeling the air I get know. colder because even saying October, it's you know a couple of weeks. I have some things coming up, so I'm trying not to. Well, you what know, do you try. have coming up? Oh, I Tell just us. meant like in general. No, like I don't uh, want to get like I get I get a little, um, you know, seasonal affective yeah, disorder. Uh, no, um, but maybe, but no, more like anxious of so much coming up. Right. Like it all makes sense on the calendar, and in May it's like, oh, that's the fall. It'll and it always yeah. does fall into place. But it, when I start to look at it, it starts to feel. Um, I like a lot. I'm interviewing Carrie Marr at the uh, An Unlikely Story, October 4th, for her book, All You Have to Do is Call, which is in my car, and that's like my Great. next, that's the next plan. And then we have Jean Kwok coming for The Leftover Woman. Oh, I love her. And what yes. date is that? That is Wednesday, October 11th. Excellent. At the GAM Theater, and Thursday, October 12th at the Lenox Hotel in Boston. Oh, you have a ton. Yeah, and the Morristown Book Festival before that, and the Boston Book Festival after that. And I will see that. you at Boston. I will see you on the 14th. We're not on the same panel, but... No. Do you know what time yours is at? I think at 11 a.m. Okay. What time is yours? Uh, 12.45, so you're probably right I before. I will come see you. So I will come see you. Yeah, Jinx. Boston Book, yeah. Festival. Book Festival. That'll be fun. Yeah, Boston Book Festival, um, if you guys can get there... And, you know, just to know there are so many authors, you can go to their website. It's bostonbookfestival.org, I'm going to guess, and see the schedule. And uh, Morristown Book Festival is beautiful, too. I haven't been to that It's yet. really, it's one street, and they use all the churches and the buildings. Oh, um, nice. And it's very well organized. Wow. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, old, lovely street. And that's actually where I met Jean years ago doing a panel with her. Um, and then... Uh, there's more events, and then I'm going to the Icelandic Book Festival, Iceland Noir. Um, oh, I think Wendy Walker went Wendy last is going. year. And I think oh, is she, she going? going again? I don't remember. Hank Philippi Ryan's going. Fun. Jean's going. Jean's going to be sick of me. <laughs> I don't think so. Jean's going to be like, where? It's you again. No, we actually plotted this. May Cobb will be there. I know. Um, I forget who else. Wendy might be there again. I don't know. So I'm looking forward to that. And when is that? That's uh, November uh, 9th to the 
13th, Oh, it maybe? must be dark, dark, dark. Yes, yeah. dark, dark, yes. Deliciously and dark. Very much so. And I interviewed Eliza Reed, the first lady, about her Women of the Spakar. I think that was the name of it. It's about how they celebrate women in Iceland. Oh, wow. So she's going to, um, well, it's her country. So she'll mm. be there. <laughs> she'll be there, yes. <laughs> I had her yeah, on my should. show, but I'm looking forward to meeting her in, in person. She's from Canada originally. It's a really good book. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So a lot coming up. And Lisa Jewell would be there, I know. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to Luann Rice. So she wrote it at the Ocean House. She wrote it at the Ocean House. Was she House. there for like a while? She, she comes just like never a leave. lot. I know she's and she's a good incredible. Friend. And yeah. it's called Last Night. And it's, you know, a murder mystery set at the Ocean House. Oh, my goodness. <coughs> That's Excuse so me. fun. She utilizes really the whole hotel in the storyline. Oh, my goodness. Again, like Murder on the Orient Express. She's really using the space. And she was very careful not to have the actual murder happen in the hotel. Yeah, that's always It helpful. happens out on a path to the beach. Absolutely. Uh, you don't the, want bloodstains yeah. in the hotel. No bloodstains. <laughs> but I think it'll be uh, really a lot of oh fun. Oh, my goodness. Oh, December 6th. Okay. I'm, like, remembering. Um I think I think our time is up. I, think I could talk it. literally. Why do we say that to you? Keep talking to you forever. But thank you and happy to birthday to your doggy. Thank you. Benny. Thank you. How Benny. old is he's, Benny? He's six, oh. and he had a really good birthday. And there were a few toys that um, I didn't love when they came, and I put them, you know, to return them. And he knows they're in there because you know we tried it. And I'm like, it doesn't squeak well enough. You had you asked about Benny, right? So he's like, and I said, you know, this is going back, but he. So Bert's like, put it in the car. He knows it's there. He just keeps going. <laughs> like you have all these other toys. but Well, I have yeah. an old doggie. She's about to be 13, and she's Aww. not so toy fixated anymore. Yeah. Anyway. Our, our first boy was not really into toys at all. Mm. Benny's very toy focused. So it's, They have personalities. Absolutely do. Yeah. There's nobody like our puppy. So I I'm know. looking forward to the event in November, too. I hope. I don't know if that's when I'm away. My, my Renee Al-Sharaf. I, 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 I hope I'm saying her name right. I'm excited about that. Yeah. No, I, It's you always have a wonderful lineup. And Thank you. Always. Um, and it's, in, it's grown and grown. It was Wednesdays mm -hmm. and there was more. And so go to the Ocean yeah. House website and you'll see. Yeah, OceanHouseEvents.com. Right. It's different from the regular Ocean House right. website, which on is very thing. confusing. Yeah, well, you just put in. All those yeah. words like You'll I do in it. Google, yeah. and the first thing comes up, it's right. That's yeah. like, I just, right. I put so many words in. <laughs> why do you do that? I'm like, why are you watching me put the words in? Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. Talk Always to you fine. soon. Yes. Thank you for joining us for this special broadcast of the Ocean House Author Series with Deborah Goodrich Royce. Please tune in each month as we'll bring you a new Ocean House author series highlighting nationally best-selling and award-winning authors in a salon-style conversation. Hosted by Ocean House owner, actress, and best-selling author, Deborah Goodrich-Royce. WCRI is pleased to be partnering with the Ocean House to bring you this ongoing series highlighting the best and the brightest of the literary world. Thank you once again for joining us. And in the words of Margaret Atwood, in the end, we all become stories.